Hey guys, I'm Natasha Colvin and this is Conversations with Tosh. On this channel, I chat with designers and game changers in the fashion industry. Conversations with Tosh is dedicated to raw, honest, and fun discussions about the behind the scenes of being in the business. Enjoy! And of course, people told me that I was crazy, that people told me that, you know, how could I create it about in China, that it was never going to work. So look who is now here. <laughs> Hi guys, today I'm speaking with Peruvian-born designer Esau Yori. Launched in 2015, Esau Yori is highly influenced by its passion for Asian culture. His pieces resemble strong tailoring, soft drapery, and a unique feminine take on masculine silhouettes. From gender fluid suiting and a diverse use of fabric and detailing, Estelle is one of my favorite new designers. His mantra is, the world has a window into her mind through the clothes she wears, who she is defines how she looks. I'm so excited. No, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited too. I love your work a thank lot. You. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. So can you tell me what led you to become a designer and what your career path was prior to? Well, I think that, I mean, uh, I always wanted to be a designer. There was never another idea, on, uh, you know, on my head when I was uh, very little. Uh, my father, I think it comes a little bit for my family. My father was obsessed with clothing, you know. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was born in 82, and one of the first memories that I got from my father is that he was wearing this turquoise trench coat with, you know, mustard uh, working boots. And then when I was six years old, he bought me a silver uh, denim jacket, so, you know, like who buys its kids <laughs> silver yeah. <laughs> jacket, especially at six years old and you know and I think that was my first contact actually with 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 clothing was my family and then my mother of course was just, she was a seamstress and she was doing clothes for uh, for her clients nothing major it was nothing about crazy fashion but it was very well uh, made clothes so I think that somehow you know, it wasn't my path. I, I, you know, I never had the chance to think about what to do because it always was there in, in the school, in high school, especially when you do the, all these tests of what do you want to do when you, you know, when you graduate from high school and, you know, my grades were quite good and my teachers were like, well, you should go for economics and, or you should go to business administration and you should go for law. And I actually tried it, you know, when I moved to Barcelona and uh, I, did the exams for, and I did exams for university, I started to study business administration, uh, international business administration, and I last three months because I got bored. I was completely bored. And, and then I realized that, you know, just do what makes you happy. And, you know, for me, design and clothing just brings me joy. That's, that's who I am. And <clears throat> I became a designer, not actually because the fashion industry, I became a designer because I respect, respect clothing. I like to see clothes that is well done. Mm -hmm. There's 
a large emphasis on Asian culture in your designs, correct? Yes, and I, you know, I never, re you know, I never realized that until I actually started my own brand. Uh, my grandmother is Japanese. I come from a very quiet multicultural family because my mom, she's half Italian and half Peruvian, and my father is half uh, Japanese and half Peruvian. I never realized until I started my own brand, my fascination with Asian culture. You know, I knew that, you know, that when, for example, when I started to study fashion, you know, the people that I will respect the most are Japanese brands or Belgian brands. Mm -hmm. uh, I just love their work, you know, and I never realized that actually my design had that uh, connection with Asian culture until somebody told me, you know, when I did my first collection and we did a, a reinterpretation of the kimono that they said to me like, well, you know, your brand is pretty Japanese. And I was like, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's totally not what I expected you to say, which is so cool. Yeah, it, 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 was, never, it was never our intention. I think it was never my intention either or, or any of my team. It just happened. And I think that it came very naturally, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, and when, when, when I actually think about it right now, and I think that how I work with, with my clothes and how my team works with that clothes, you know, we always give reference to traditional Italian tailoring or traditional Japanese tailoring, you know, mm -hmm. and we try to play with both con contexts when we design clothes. And I, I think that that's the reason that, you know, my clothes looks a bit Japanese, you know, and, you know, of course we have been, we, I started the brand when I was, uh, sorry, in 2015. And since then, of course, we have been experimenting more and, you know, getting to know the brand better, getting to know myself better. And I actually realized that it is true mm -hmm. that, when I, when I design or I do research or I start a, a, a collection, I always have a, something inside of me that goes directly to, you know, traditional Japanese clothing or traditional Italian clothing. Mm -hmm. And are there any hints of Peruvian culture? Uh, well, the thing, you know, the, the, I think that the biggest problem is that, well, not a problem, the connotation that people have with Peruvian clothing is colorful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, everybody is expecting me, you know, and is expecting me to, when I do Peruvian approach on my clothes, that it's have to be colorful, you know, and I think that I do have, I mean, it, I mean, I was born in Peru, I do have a, something on my clothes that reflects Lima, that's where I was born. Most of my clothes is, for example, black, white, blue, or gray, you know, and that's exactly how I remember Lima. It's, you know, it's cloudy and it's great and it's tough and it's, you know, but it, it has that mixture of romanticism that it makes it quite interesting. So I, I do think that I have a Peruvian approach on my clothes and I think that there is a Peruvian inspiration, but not as people is expecting it. If you could explain a bit about the philosophy behind your brand, like I know that you're very into gender fluidity. Um, there's a mix of tradition and modernity explain a bit about that and how you incorporate that into your designs you know uh that's actually a very interesting question uh when i started to design i i'm, I'm actually more familiar with menswear mm -hmm. you know, i actually started my career on menswear and you know when i decided to to open a sauyori and you know and i got my team together you know we were thinking like okay so what is what, what do we want to do and what, what language we 
want to use to uh, show people the vision of what we understand fashion is about. And, you know, it always went, it came to me the menswear, you know, it was always like tailoring and menswear. So we started to experiment uh, with traditional menswear coats, you know, traditional menswear tailoring and we, you know, we were going to secondhand shops, buying suits from the 40s, from the 30s, from the 50s, and we will pull them apart and study the pattern. So I could say that SLR is all about a disconstruction of men's coats, you know, when it comes to women's wear. And somehow that brought us that gender fluidity, you know, and that, and that neutral gender in our, in our clothing. You know, it's funny, but it's, for example, for today, I, I had a call with my, with my showroom in Shanghai and the full collection of Fall Winter 20, uh, Uninvited, they have made a shooting with a male model. And that is exactly what I wanted it to happen. You know, I wanted at some stage that people understand clothes outside of gender. And it's not that we do a unisex clothes. It was never like that. Our clothes is for women, mm -hmm. but it welcomes men to wear it. Right. And now, and now that we are going, we are actually starting with menswear for Spring Summer 21. Uh, I think that that was a quite a natural step for us. Right. Uh, and it's going to be exactly the same. It's going to be menswear clothes, you know, investigating on traditional menswear coats, and it's going to welcome women's to wear it right you know, you know it's 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 like you know it's it's i think it's quite uh hard to say it or you know i wouldn't put i wouldn't like to put myself a crown and say like well we are gender fluid uh, you're gender fluid i actually think that that you know these days brands should be just about beautiful things and that everybody should be free to wear whatever they want mm -hmm. without having to put any label on it you know, men, women, or unisex. I think that clothes is clothes and beautiful clothes should be available for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so I guess that that's what we do. We, we investigate men's coats, traditional yeah. men's coats, and it comes from, you know, sometimes we got really to the past, you know, we, we sometimes we go to the 16th century, to the 18th century, to the 19th century, you know, we try to play with it. Of course, uh, you know, as we grow as a brand, we also have started to investigate feminine codes in clothing. And I think that's quite uh, present in my last two collections in Fall Winter 20 and in well, Spring Summer 19 and, and Fall Winter 19. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somehow there was a moment that we thought, okay, so we quite understand men's wear codes. So what will happen now if we blend? You know, if what we do, we blend it. So we started to first, you know, investigate with corsets. And from corset, we went to shapes and volumes. And, you know, the, and I think that's uh, how we started all these uh, studies of what we call corset dress, uh, corset uh, tailoring. Mm -hmm. you know? And actually, I think it was Gigi Hadid who wore one yeah. of our you know what one yeah. of our suits and it's you know i mean i love my team they you know i, I now i have fun with them because it, you know we're starting to really experiment uh, with collections 
you know, when we started and we, we, we started in a quite minimal way, you know, our first collections were quite more minimal and quite more bold, you know, on designs. And now are, they are becoming a little bit more dramatic, let's say it that way. It's like a minimal dramatic cloth. And I kind of like that because I think that, you know, as a creative person, we have to respect every stage where you are. And that's where I am right now. And right. at the end, the brand is myself. And something that it was hard to me to do before is to, I didn't want people to relate myself with a brand. You know, I always wanted to be like kind of separated from the brand and just great things, you know, that were right from the brand. And I think that that was definitely, you know, the right approach when we started. But I think that now people, it's expecting a more honest uh, interaction with brands, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, where we are right now. Sorry, I, I think I, <laughs> I lost myself a no, little bit. in the interesting. I think it's really interesting that you from the start kind of focused on gender fluidity or like yeah. making masculine silhouettes available yeah. to women. And I feel like that's kind of come into fashion more recently. We, and that's the, that's the thing. And it's actually, a, you know, it's, it's actually funny. I find it quite interesting as well, because for us, it was never trendy. For us, it was, it's our language, mm -hmm. you know. We're not going to stop doing it because it's out of trend. Right. You know? In, you know, I think that, and that comes possibly that Japanese part of my clothes, it's all about proportions, mm -hmm. you know, and we play with proportions. It's constantly this, you know, never end shirts or quite short trousers or tiny waist, but, you know, huge hips. We, we try to, we play with clothes. Of course, you know, there are always questions like, well, your clothes is not made for everyone. It's like, well, nothing is made for everyone. Yeah. You know, my, my clothes, I don't see clients on my clothes, you know, I see an statement on my clothes mm -hmm. and I want people that are related to that statement wearing my clothes. You know, if somebody asks me what sort of women I want to dress or what sort of men you want to dress, it's like people that share the same statement that I want to say, you know, right. it's, and you know, and that is the best way to describe it. I just, you know, I just cannot put my clothes in, in or, or the philosophy of my brand in any of this standard of marketing or, or market research, you know, because right. that's not who I am. I mean, when, and I think that's part of the, you know, of the honesty and especially in those three months that we have been in complete lockdown and I have had more time to actually analyze the last uh, five years of my career since I opened my brand. You know, and I and I and I was like, well, just accept who you are. You know, yeah. you come from a multicultural background. I, you know, I, you know, I love black, white, <laughs> and navy blue. And I try. And for example, that's something that I always try. I try every season to add, add color. Yeah. And any time that I add color, I'm like, okay, but I need to go back to black and white. You know, and I think that you know. That's just who Esaujuri is, and that's what Esaujuri is as a brand. And Esaujuri as a brand now is a real reflection of who the designer is, who is me and, and my team behind it. I mean, of course, without them, this couldn't be possible. You know, they are, we are like a, each of us is Esaujuri, you know, we, there is no face and, and 
each of member of my team is as important as I am and, and uh, in, in every step of what we do, you know? I think that's really unique. I feel as though so many brands today are kind of catering their designs to the market, but I love how you just follow what you love. Yeah, and you know, it's just a, a well, as you know, my 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 PR is HBR London, and you know they they have been with me. They have been with me probably since we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they are like part of Esauri as I am, and you know, my approach always to press has been like, well, you know, well there are famous people wearing your clothes, and I said like, well, that's okay, you know, mm-hmm. but. You know, I'm, I'm more excited when I see people wearing my clothes in the streets, for example. Now, I think that it's something very important uh, that is happening. I think probably it's also happening to more creative people, people is the renounce of ego. You know, I don't do clothes anymore based on my ego. I don't need that thousand followers on Instagram anymore to somehow have that validation that my clothes it's good or that what I'm doing is good you know when you are in this industry and when you are in this field you have to kind of know that well some people are not going to like you and some people are not going to like your clothes and that's okay that's not you that's their taste and that's okay. And there are other people that are gonna support you and that people that are gonna love what you do and that people that are gonna sh- share that philosophy and share the vision that you have. And, you know, in, for example, in the last three months, I'm trying to concentrate on that, you know, because it's difficult. It's, it has been, a, you know, all these crises we're living, we are living right now. It has been, it's difficult mm-hmm. uh, for everyone, you know? And I think that it's better if we just concentrate on the positive things, you know? Yeah. What's your design process like? Where do you get your inspiration from and how does that inspiration become a finished product? Uh, well, I work in a very, uh, a lot by intuition, actually. You know, uh, of course, we do a lot of research lately. I'm going a lot to art galleries and, and to expositions. And I think that I'm getting more and more close to that creative part of myself. You know, and I, I love Pierre Solage, uh, for example, and I'm trying to, you know, really get a lot of inspiration of his uh, paintings for mm-hmm. my next collection. Uh, and then there is a, a part of an experimental part, you know, that uh, we start by uh, trying things on the, on the mannequin and, and play it with shapes. And then I'm, I'm kind of an old-fashioned uh, designer. I, I still sketch on by hand, and I still sketch, you know, uh, with pencils and, 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 you know, trying to imagine how the clothes is going to look and, you know, kind of an uh, atelier way, let's mm-hmm. say that way. So when, how do I, how my collection starts? It's, it has many ways, actually. I think that... Uh, you know, the, for example, the Spring Summer 21, the one that we are designing now, uh, I reconnect with poetry, you know, and, and especially with the poetry of, there is a, a Peruvian uh, poet called Maria Emilia Cornejo that I discovered when I was 14 years old. That got me to, you know, to photography and then and I was in Paris and I went to, to see the Pierre Solage exposition 
and in inevitable poetry come to my head. And I said like, well, that's what I want to talk about, you know? And then I start normally to listen a lot of music and try to get into the mood of what I feel. And that's how I start to create, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that, well, that's my process. And then of course, I read books and, and, and magazines and newspapers and I cut things and I put colors. And that I also share a lot with my team uh, in that creative process. And, you know, I just tell them, I just normally tell them like, please let yourself go. Yeah. You know, don't stop now. Let yourself go. And then we will, we will balance the collection. and. And it, it's, you know, and especially now that we normally, I normally don't have much time to design, you know, now, because normally I'm in my studio in China and, you know, studios are a little bit more crazy because there are daily things that you have to deal with. And thanks God now there is time difference. So I have like all the afternoon for myself to, to design and, and it, it's, I have realized that. I do like designing and I do like the, the creation process and I, you know, and I do like to experiment and for that you need time and you need to let things go. So I give in, for example, I give in more responsibility to my team in China on the daily basis things so I can concentrate more mm-hmm. on, on the creation part. Uh, I don't know if I answer your question or not. Yeah, no, you definitely <laughs> That actually, what you just said leads me to my next question. But before, I have a question from what we were talking about before. Um, so is one collection kind of inspired by one artist or one mood or one poem, or is it kind of a collaboration of thoughts? It normally, I mean, lately, it's inspired by one particular thing. I mean, for example, when I did the Love uh, in Fall Winter 19, it went, first of all, it was an emotional state of mind that I was there. I was experimenting love in any way, you know. Mm-hmm. There is a song of a Spanish singer called Maciel, and there's one, this song called El Amor. And I somehow rediscovered this song, you know, this character that, you know, was a, a guy that wanted to be kind of, but wanted to be kind of, uh, performance, but as a, as a, as a woman. And in, when he reached that point that he finally can perform, you know, on, in front of the public, to say the story of his life, he sings that song, you know, El Amor. And, you know, when I heard, when I listened to the lyrics of the song, for me, it was like, that is, that's, this is it. This is exactly what I want to talk about. This is exactly how I'm feeling. And actually, that is how the love started, you know, how this never ensured started, you know, this love that, you know, gets all over you. And that's actually how the corset uh, blazers started, you know, that love that sometimes, you know, strangle you in part of your body, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, that was it. So there was no visual inspiration at all. It was lyrics and it was just poetry. Spring Summer 20, I did Disorder. That is a song of Joy Division. And the reason why I did Disorder was because I was suffering of anxiety and depression for two years. And I never found a way to describe how I was feeling. 
you know, and I was falling therapy and, and somehow there is not a education on mental health at all in, yeah. in society. So I felt the disorder was kind of therapeutic and liberating because it was the first time that without knowing I was speaking about my mental issues and uh, those shoulders that were big, you know, it was all about somehow mental disorder, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, but in a different approach. And it came back joy division, you know, and it was like, this is it, you know, that, that's what I want to talk about. And then with the last one, with Fall Winter 20, you know, lately I've been creating a lot with music now that I'm talking. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I was in Shanghai after presenting uh, Spring Summer uh, 20 and, you know, I was walking and, and quite, one quite famous street in Shanghai where all the shops are. And, and I, I was listening to music and suddenly I got into an unplugged version of Uninvited from Alanis Morissette. And I, and it was like, that is what I want to talk about. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you read a little bit the lyrics of that song, it's a quite personal uh, interaction with experiences in life, you know? Uh, and that is how I've been creating lately, actually, you know? And so I think that, I will say that music and lyrics and poetry lay, uh, have a lot of impact on me, you know? And I think that I probably start with lyrics and, and music or, or writing, and then I try to associate that to images. Mm -hmm. you know? And then I investigate about, you know, painters or photographers uh, that kind of bring me the same idea of what those lyrics make me feel. And then it's when I start the next step, which is, okay, let's start sketching, you know? And I think I start like everyone, but then, you know, I start to make just simple uh, draws, you know, of different shapes. And from those shapes, I'm, I start to kind of transform them. You know, it's like, well, now, uh, for example, in my last collection in the one that, coming, that, that is coming, uh, I'm, I keep talking about the shoulders and you know I'm, I'm I'm getting quite obsessed with the shoulders mm -hmm. and I think that there is something very powerful you know on the shoulders because that's that's normally how you know when you say when people is emotionally heavy you know they always say like you know I have this big uh, yeah. weight on my shoulders so I don't know if it has to do with you know with that but you know I'm kind of obsessed with shoulders right now and, and yeah. So you really do have those aha moments of like, oh, this is what I want to base my collection around. Uh, yes, yes, definitely. That, oh, that's the way that I work. The, you know, creating a collection is a little bit like writing music. And, you know, and the rhythm, it's so important, you know, that goes up and down and, 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 and I think, that is how I create, and that is what I love about creating, for example, connected to music, you know, by poetry or by images, because, you know, feelings or 
you know, are the same. You know, they are all about rhythm. It's, you know, beautiful. Mm -hmm. You got into this a little bit earlier when talking about how things have changed during the pandemic. You have more time to design and create and sit with your thoughts. How do you think the pandemic has changed your business for better or for worse? I think that, I mean, I, uh, I try to always see, you know, changes in, in anything in a positive way. Yeah. I think that at the end, you have to let yourself go. You know, you cannot worry for everything and you cannot worry for things that you cannot control because it creates uh, an amount of unnecessary stress, perhaps. You know, and a person who is dealing with anxiety, you know, you have to constantly try to find that kind of balance on, right. on yourself and say like, well, you know, how, you know, how can I deal with it? Mm -hmm. So I think that for us, it has been, it's been positive, definitely. First of all, I think that we are trying to work in a more honest way with our clothes and have that more personal approach with our clothes. Uh, and remember you know because sometimes in the business and the day by day you forget who you are right you so focus on the business that you forget who you are and yeah. i think that having the this silence for three months it has in myself and in my team but uh, it is like a reminder of who you are and what you really like and what you like to do and and, and you know for me it has been to, it has been quite important to remember why i did create my brand you yeah. know, it was never about the business, you know, even when, you know, when I created the brand and I remember that we needed to make all this exercise that we all have to do, that we have to do the business plans and the marketing plan and things like that. And I was always saying like, for, I would be happy giving my clothes for free. It's a terrible approach on business. <laughs> <laughs> but it shows how much you love it. You know, uh, exactly. But it's a terrible approach. Uh, <laughs> So I think that it's, uh, you know, it's honesty. I, I would say that it, it has bring honesty to the brand, you know, and uh, there are some news that, you know, uh, that we will share. We are actually, actually the first person that we are sharing with. Um, first of all is that we decided to launch menswear. Menswear mm -hmm. in the spring, summer 21, and it's gonna be aligned with our women's wear. So basically what I want to create is a way that you can feel comfortable by wearing the clothes of your father, of your brother, of your boyfriend. Right. Then your boyfriend can take things from your closet. Yeah. It's no uh, neutral gender, it's not uh, gender fluid, as I said. It's, it's about welcoming women to the men's world and, and, and men to women's world. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, Breaking boundaries. boundaries. Yeah. You say that? Sorry for my yeah. accent. No, 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 I love your accent. Breaking boundaries. Yeah, definitely. People laugh about my accent. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I wish I had an accent. <laughs> and then another thing that we're doing, you know, because of course we have to be conscious of, of the commercial part of our business as well. And we have to be conscious about that it is a business, you know, and that is an important exercise that I needed to learn. Yeah. So uh, now we are we are gonna continue with the jewelry, uh, but we're gonna divide our women's collection in two. We're gonna divide our collection 
on SLURI archive, which is gonna be more experimental and more collector's pieces that they are gonna be evolving season by season. There are gonna be new additions every season and there's gonna be uh, pieces that are gonna come from the past and it's gonna be a bit more uh, studies on, mm -hmm. on clothing. And I'm very excited about that because that allows me to reconnect with my creative part and allow me not to think about the business and focus on, you know, creation. Right. And working with the atelier and working with my sample rooms and, you know, get that experimental part out of you, which is, I think, as a, you know, that it's quite important, you know, to, to set, you know, to remember it for me at least is to remember why I did decided to do fashion. It's very important. You know, mm -hmm. and, Creating a Sawyer archive will allow me to not forget again right, why right. I created the brand. And then we're, I mean, of course, that where the main line is Sawyer, which is the, it's going to be still the, um, the, you know, the evolution of what we will create on the archive part, you know, and, and, and let's see if it works, you know, let's see that people. Yeah. It, that people like it. I, I think, I mean, we're very excited about it. And we're, again, you know, we're doing it for us. Mm -hmm. And we hope that people understand our vision, but we're doing it for us. I'm doing it for myself. I think that, you know, taking in consideration these three months that I've been uh, designing without my team around me and listening to myself and listening to, you know, talking to it HPR or talking with my agent in Shanghai or my agent in Japan or my agents in Paris, you know, there is a moment that I just said to me, disconnect and just remember why you started this. Business. Right, I think that's so. Then, you know, and I started this business to break rules. You know, I started the business to make myself happy. And I think that once you start to work with that honest, honest approach, people can feel it, you know, people can feel love. People, I mean, I, we are so connected with emotions. And I think that in the moment that your products are connecting with your emotions, people can feel them, you know? And, uh, you know, these days I don't think that people just buy clothes for clothes or at least not the type of people or not, or not the type of people that I want to attract. I want to attract people that actually share vision and a statement that I want to get mm -hmm. with, my, with my craft. So you just mentioned, some really exciting changes that are happening to your brand, which connects me to my next question, which was, which is, how had, how has your brand changed from 2015 in your first collection up until now? Well, I think we, our craft is better, definitely. Uh -huh. You know, Sandra, I mean, when you decide to open a brand, you are never working alone, it's a teamwork. And when, of course, you know, I started my brand and nobody knew each other. You know, I, I didn't know anyone. Every single member of my team was new. And I think that, you know, through the years, we have learned to work together and it has allowed us to learn from our work. You know, mm -hmm. I think that we, as I said, we started in, in what we believe was right in that moment. It was quite more uh, a minimal approach from clothing. You know, it was always, it was always a disconstruction of men's work, but it was quite uh, minimal. And I think that, you know, through the years and through the collections, it, that message that we wanted to 
give from the beginning is becoming stronger. But I think it is also because we are stronger now. Yeah. You know, by knowing each other, but you know, trusting each other, that ha that it's like every relationship. You know, you open yourself to eternal possibilities, and I think that you know, my team has grown with me, and you know, and that's fantastic. And of course, we have much more to learn. You know, cloth. I think that cloth is a never end learning process you know because there is always new techniques that you have to learn there is always uh, things that need to be creative there are things that can be reinterpreted there are so many great designers to study to to follow and again i think that i think that we we are we have become more honest so yori started as just a brand and now so yori is a is a vision mm -hmm. you know and i think that's that have that's what have changed yeah. And what's been your biggest obstacle? I mean, every, every beginning is quite tough, you know, and when you want to create a brand, as I did, I mean, I guess you know, but when I decided to move to open the brand, I actually moved to China mm -hmm. and it was like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here and hello. And I didn't speak any Chinese. So I think that, uh, of course, that was big obstacle you know right. like it was being in a different country and non speaking the language and start from zero you know it was starting from zero and of course once i we we passed that obstacle was the second part which is you know find your pos position in the market because it's 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 a tough industry yeah you know it, it, it's not easy and there are good people, but people like, and there are, you know, like every single field and, uh, and to know the right people to work with, it's tough. Yeah. It's very difficult. So I think that, you know, we, for example, uh, once you have your collection and you think like, okay, that's, you know, that's going to work. And I, there are things that you don't learn in school. And, and of course, I was always related to the creative part of, you know, of brands or companies that I was cooperating with. I never was involved on the business side. You know, when we, when we presented our first collection in, in Milan and Paris, I did it by myself. And, you know, I rent a beautiful studio in Villa de la Spiga and I presented there. I invited the buyers myself and then... Uh, uh, I when I did it in Paris, I rented it a, a beautiful suite in Western Bandon Hotel, and I did it myself. And then you realize mm, I need an agent, you know. And finding an agent is a nightmare, it, mm -hmm. and it's very difficult. And there is not much support in general for uh, entrepreneurs in fashion. I wouldn't consider myself as a new designer because. Uh, you know, I have an experience in behind. I'm, I'm not a coming designer because I, you know, I've been in the industry for longer than I would like to admit, but, uh, you know, but it's, it's very difficult when you are starting and because, you know, I think that the, especially the business, uh, of course it changed uh, during the years, but in 2015 when, you know, when I was starting, the business was still focused on sales and numbers and you know 
tell me who are you selling with and probably will give you a, a place in the showroom then no and you know it doesn't give mask space to a vision and mission on, on a brand you know it's just like hey i don't have people selling my uh, selling my clothes now i don't have any stores uh, but this is my product this is my craft this is my story you know can we work together you know can we find a, a way to work together if it's not even a favor you know because you have to pay for the services yeah but people normally close you the doors and it's very difficult you know and it happens on sales and in pr so uh, it took us a while you know that was the biggest obstacle it took us a while but thanks god uh you know, as I said, one of my big, my biggest fans and, you know, long time partners is HBR. I yeah. love her. I love Stefan. And they have been extremely supportive with my brand. And, you know, after I think it was after our first two collection, I got my first agent in China. And, you know, it was funny because I was already living in China and I was more focused on the European market. And then there was one day that it clicked on my head and said, like, well, listen, you're living in one of the biggest and most difficult markets in the world. And if you can make it in China, you know, the rest of the market's gonna right. be easier. And of course, people told me that I was crazy, that people told me that, you know, how could I create it? I went in China, that it was never gonna work. So look who is now here. <laughs> 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 you know, wrong. I did it without speaking Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always laugh about that, you know, because seriously, because I mean, I think that there is an stigma on China and, you know, and not everything that what we know about China is true. Right. Uh, especially in terms of, for example, I'm talking about my team, you know, and you know, another obstacle was this constant of, well, it's made in China. And, then, and let's say like, well, let's, let's, let's try to think a little bit. You know, one of the biggest problems that you are talking about is that you, you know, most of the people saying like, well, we have to produce locally. Secondly, you know, creating a stigma on one of the biggest countries in the world and trying to generalize China on made in China is cheap. I think it's very close-minded. Uh -huh. And it comes from the ignorance of not knowing China. In China, of course, you can produce very cheap because it has been good for the Western as well to produce mm -hmm. cheap. But in China, you can work also as I work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've, uh, it was thanks to China that, you know, we, we, could have, we can now have a business in the city, right. you know, because I found my first big agent in China. And I've had my first three, no, five orders for Fall Winter 17, thanks to China. These data I can proudly say that, you know, we work with DFO International, which is one of the most important showrooms in, in, in China. We're uh, preparing a contract with a showroom in Tokyo, it's T3O, you know, and it's amazing. And we're working with Boom Paris and, it, and it's amazing, you know, and I think that you know, of course, it has been a hard road to get into to where we are now, uh, but it's worth it. You yeah. know, but it's worth it. And of course, I think that one in 
you know, well, you know, it's a, I mean, it's a, as I always say, it's a tough business, but, you know, and then for, for fall winter 19, there was when Barcelona Fashion Week, Barcelona Association invited us as an international brand, you know, to participate there. And, and then it was like, wow, you know, we're doing something right in here. Right. You know, because in the beginning of, you know, I always thought like, well, they are just doing it because I'm, uh, you know, because I'm half Spanish and I'm like, well, no, actually, you know, you did something right. Yeah. You know? Do you have any advice for aspiring designers? Don't give up, you mm -hmm. know, uh, work on your craft, mm -hmm. work on your reference uh, and keep strong. I think it's, you know, it's the main thing, I think that and that's where would keep you going you know work with honesty i think that knowing yourself and knowing exactly what you like and knowing what you don't like it makes things easier mm -hmm. in, in this business uh, have as much information as you can i think that information is sometimes a, a not considered as it should you know i think that information is what make, makes us powerful you know, and have information from the past, from the present, is what helps you actually to create a future. Yeah. Designers sometimes don't have the patience to actually dedicate that part of investigating, especially the past, you know, especially the past. And just keep strong. It's a difficult business. It's a tough business. It's one of the most difficult careers, uh, at least from my experience, is what I done and what i planning to do the rest of my life uh you know just keep fighting keep mm -hmm. fighting you know and when one close uh, one door closed another one opens and if your product is good and you if you are if you truly believe in your product and you know you respect your craft at the end you find people that believe on your project and you know will will help you mm -hmm. to move on and and i think that's when you know that when things happen mm -hmm. where can people find you on instagram your handle is so your official page that's a that's basically the social network mm -hmm. that we normally work with thank you guys so much for listening in don't forget to tune in every thursday for new episodes with love tosh